voiceovers for movie trailers. Noah Davis hosts a podcast called The Noah Davis Watchcast, where he talks to you about everything that he watched throughout the week. Coming to theaters near you this summer. And I'm your host, Noah Davis. I'm going to talk about, you know, I, I think that did just fine. You know, I like to change it up every week. I like to intro a little differently every time. So, yeah, I think that about covered it. I'm just going to talk. I'm just going to start talking. Ahsoka. I watched Ahsoka, first two episodes, two-part premiere, whatever, whatever, streaming services, I don't know. Dope. I loved it. I think it was a great show. It <laughs> it was already started off better than Kenobi, <clears throat> and already better than the whole of Book of Boba Fett. So, as long as your Star Wars show meets those two bars, I will say I love it. Because, as long as it's better than that... <laughs> And it's Star Wars. I'll probably love it. You know, it. Star Wars isn't perfect at all. Not even close. I mean, even the movies aren't even that great. You know, even the even the original trilogy. You go back and watch Episode Four, and for me personally, it is rough. It's only. <laughs> you know what? I'm not even gonna go into that. I'll watch the original trilogy and talk about it in another podcast. Let's just say Star Wars isn't great. So when you have a well-thought-out, well-choreographed, well-directed, and a solidly written show, it's going to be a great Star Wars property. So yeah, I can only talk about the first two episodes. I'll talk about every episode weekly. And since they come out on Tuesday, I'm actually going to be like a week behind on every episode. So that's going to be kind of a bummer. But hey, I'm not going to change my schedule just because Ahsoka has her schedule. You know what I'm saying? So the story itself seems a little blurry because it is a direct sequel to Rebels. I mean, callbacks, characters, character actions, character developments, character arcs. The reason we're here, it's all Rebels. It's all Star Wars Rebels, and I did not realize that. I thought I could watch, oh, Best of Ahsoka, Star Wars Rebel YouTube video. Yeah, okay, great. But then, after watching the first two episodes, I quickly realized, shit, I'm going to have to watch Star Wars Rebels, and I don't want to because I really don't like looking at it. That being said, the episodes are really well written, and they're written in a way that you don't you don't have to watch Star Wars Rebels to understand the character motivations within this show. You don't have to. It is written in such a blatant and on-the-nose way that it kind of describes and implies most everything you need without, you know, just showing you and without just forcing you to watch Rebels. And so that is a weird 
scale. You know, it's a weird thing to balance to me personally, because yes, while I do enjoy the fact that I don't have to watch Rebels, it does get in the way of more nuanced script and dialogue. It's very, like I said, on the nose, it's direct. It is not subtle. It is unsubtle. If that is a word, it, it doesn't lose itself in the fact that, you know, it's trying to describe a whole world while keeping you interested in this very specific show and series, but it leaves a little to be desired because you just, you get what you get, you know? And I don't think there's much behind the surface in these first two episodes. Yes, there are some awesome implications. There's some really rad Sith Inquisitor or... I don't know what they're called at this point. Maybe these characters aren't inquisitive. Ah, you know, Star Wars. Extended Universe Star Wars, especially after Extended Universe Star Wars. It gets even more confusing because what is and what isn't canon is... Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Is Darth Plague is canon? And then is the Old Republic canon? But it's not, but it is. Who? Uh, you know, it's Star Wars. So it's hard to describe those specific problems. But back to the episodes not problems, because again, if you didn't do this, people would be lost. If you didn't do the upfront and on the nose dialogue, people would be absolutely lost because they would have nothing, you know, if they hadn't watched Rebels. And that would provide a, a bad experience for a lot of casual audiences. I don't think I would mind. I would just, you know, assume I'm lost and would assume I'm missing context. But, you know, general audiences, they don't they don't like context, okay? I don't know what it is. <laughs> they don't like context. They don't need context, but you have to shove it down their throat anyways. So that is a good and a bad thing, and it's hard to scale, so I don't really detract it from the episode at all, or, you know, it, it's nothing overtly negative. I'm Because I'm not sure what the balance is or what the perfect balance is, but, you know, it, it, it serves its purpose. And... And the two episodes, first two episodes, provide a great experience that are sort of confined, sort of confined, because I just talked about all the connections to the Rebels, but it is sort of confined to this particular series or event series, and that is nice. It feels like it's in its own kind of microcosm of Star Wars, and you know, whether it be the great performances from Rosario Dawson or motherfucking Ray Stevenson, rest in peace. I hate that he's gone. He's always great in everything he's in. I love him in this, the opening scene with him, or I don't think it was an opening scene. His first scene or introduction scene, absolutely killer. And I love it. He's just, he's so suave. Ray Stevenson felt like he could just do anything or, you know, act anything. He could just act anything. You give him a script and he, he's going to give it his all, even if, you know, the script isn't great. I'll uh, punish your wars. Uh, you know, he, <laughs> he was great. He's great. He's always great. And I love all the acting here. Even the, what's uh, Mary Elizabeth Winsett as Hera. I didn't know Hera as a character, but then, I've, I'll talk about it in a second. I, of course, started Rebels. And so now that I know Hera as a character, I think she did a fantastic job converting that into live action without being attached to the character previously because the other characters were sort of attached to the voices of those characters. You know, they have done the thing in the past with Clone Wars and Mandalorian where Katie Sackhoff, 
playing Bo-Katan. Then I think they have the guy who voiced Ezra is playing the Ezra we see in the first couple of episodes. It's not a spoiler. Don't worry about it. And then, you know, you have uh, even Chopper. I think Dave Filoni is Chopper in Ahsoka and Rebels. Then you have Zeb, who is in uh, Boba Fett, Mando. I, I don't know which one he is in, honestly. He was in one of them. And so some of these characters have had their animated versions separated, and some of them haven't. And so it's awesome to see characters like Hera or Sabine Wren, where these actors or these live action actors are getting a chance to kind of put a little bit of their own nuances in the character, except they stick true to it. You know, it, you can recognize that character almost instantly. You know, it, it might take a second because you're, you're trying to parse the rebels animation and design style into live action. But once you do, you instantly recognize these characters as who they are. And I think they all do a great job at that. It feels as though this is the rebels world, but live action. So, I, you know, I, I think that's plenty to say about Ahsoka. I think the action scenes were great. They're better than anything in the sequel trilogy. You have one good lightsaber fight, and guess what? It's better than anything in the sequel trilogy because, I mean, I assume we all saw those. And let's just say lightsaber fights were not the strong point, <laughs> not the high point of those sequels. So... I'm already ecstatic about this week's episode. I'll finish it out just like I finished out every other Marvel, Disney thing, whatever. I'll watch it and I'll talk to you about it every week. So moving on to the actual thing I watched, you know, more than two episodes of Star Wars Rebels. It is fine. There, let me rephrase. You can tell there is a lot of heart and passion put into this, whether it's, the designs of everything Star Wars related and in-universe related, whether it's the voice acting, people such as Freddie Prinze Jr. actually kill it. I mean, he is awesome as Kanan. Absolutely love it. And then you have, of course, Steve Bloom, who is fantastic in everything he does, and he voices every single Stormtrooper, it feels like. So there's a lot to cherish in this show. But I hate, hate looking at it. I don't like the art style. I don't like the texturization that looks like everything's made of rubber, latex, nothing, and or rubber and latex. Those are your four choices. It's rubber, latex, no texture, or rubber and latex. Or, you know, like an extreme amalgamation of both. Season two gets a little better. Metal starts looking a little more like metal. But hair looking like rubber freaks me out. And I hate looking at it. And I wish I had an AI that could transform this into either a Clone Wars style, where it's almost a claymation painted model look, or B, just a 2D style so that I just wouldn't have to look at some of this flatness. I don't know what to call it. I hate I hate deriding a team of artists who poured their heart and soul into something like this, but I do not like it. I don't even love the animation direction, especially in the first season. It feels too busy. It's got that modern... 3D animation feel where every single thing has to be moving in every single frame because that's how real life works. 
Like nobody stands still for one second. Nobody just looks off to the distance for half a second in real life because 3D animators these days, and especially Pixar, I'm looking at you, Pixar, ever since Coco, I think. 3D animators have this weird sense of, oh, for your world to feel alive, every single character has to be alive and moving and jiving. And it's just, it's too much. I think visually, it's too busy. It gets messy. You're distracted by other characters' actions because the animation is not solely focused on a sweet animation. It's, oh, here's a group shot. And you have one character talking, but then you have another character who's like, leaning forward and leaning back and his eyes go up and down and he's reacting to every single sentence you say and he's looking here and looking there and he's looking at another person and this person's looking at them and Chopper's in the back, he's moving around and there's a ship in the back and it's floating and then you have another kid. It's just, it's too much, you know? Just learn to be simple, I think. I Obviously this show's old and it's weird to talk about it in this sense, but... These 3D animations need to learn when to focus and when to centralize a shot or a frame. It's, it's such a weird thing because it, it just takes time and effort that I don't think needs to be spent on something like this. It, it takes an animator or a secondary animator or, you know, a, a, a background animator or a, a character animator, you know, it takes those people time to add these details to nothing. They add these details so that I can say, you know, a half second of the world being quote unquote alive. It's, it feels odd and it feels impractical to think like that. It, it doesn't make sense to me personally. I think it's almost a waste of budget and a waste of time when you could just have a very clean shot of two characters interacting with each other. You don't need the whole world around these two characters. You can save money and time. You don't, you don't have to do this. I, I hearken back to, you know, uh, like Bruce Timm's work or old Justice League cartoons, you can see that they tried to cut the budget by having just two items on the screen. If you look at old Justice League cartoons, you'll notice that there are only two or three moving objects on the screen at any given time. Yes, there are some shots of big ordeals, but there is just a... a simplified or... No, not simplified. A streamlined version of of this, of animation. And I don't think 3D animators are really taking advantage of it, even though the proof is in the pudding. It's been done. It's been done a thousand times. That's how TV animation started. It's how TV animation, you know, lived, was on micro budgets and budgets getting cut and having to cut things down. And I think that just lends itself to a better visual direction or a, a visual distinction, if you will. It gives it its own flavor, whereas if everything's moving all the time, perfectly smooth in every frame, it's just going to look like the other thing that's always moving all the time, perfectly moving in every frame. And it, it's, it's, just, it's, it's bothersome to me, personally. <laughs> it's bothersome. I think they need to seclude these animations in Rebels is just the perfect example of this problem that I have with modern 3D animation because it does it constantly. When 
Ezra's talking to Hera. You'll have Kanan and Zeb looking like they're drunk, and they'll look at each other. They'll go like wide-eyed, then they'll close their eyes, then they'll gasp, and they won't be saying anything. And instead of just getting them out of the shot or just having them stay still, they're just always moving, just always like, like a liquid. And it's just, it's annoying to look at because... Why does anyone need that? Is that is that a thing for kids? Maybe kids like the activity of everything around it. Maybe, I, you know, I don't know the math here. I don't know the reasoning, really. So I get that they might want to make the world feel alive, but it, it detracts from actual shots and quote-unquote cinematography within animation. It takes away from any animation direction or the directional style because every shot's the same. Every shot is group shot, people moving, group shot, people moving, group shot, people moving over and over and over and over again. And then the one time you get, oh, hey, just Vader, you know, just a shot with Vader or a sequence with just Vader, that's when it stands out. That's when it's good. That's when you want to see it. And that's what you want to experience the whole show. But instead, you're just waiting for these solo outings. You're waiting for these very specific and, again, secluded events and actions. And that's never good. You don't you don't want someone hoping the main gist of the show just gets over with it. You know, you don't want someone not fast forwarding, but you don't want someone checking out for in no, no other reason other than just boring animation style. That seems like the absolute opposite and antithesis of animation because it just gets all fumbled. It, 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 it feels weird to me and I could talk about it for hours probably, or at least I could talk about examples of it for hours and it, kind of ruins my enjoyment. And that's on top of the art style that I don't like at all. Like I said, the texturization and even the, I do like the elongated limbs and how everything's kind of thinner and taller. I, I do kind of like that. It's almost a Burton-esque aesthetic. You know, it, it's, it's neat. It's really neat. But then the second everything starts moving or the second the light shines on something the wrong way. So everything looks like rubber, you know, it, it loses me. Ezra's hair is the single most annoying visual aspect of it, a lot of shows. <laughs> I, I couldn't even, couldn't even put into words how much I don't like seeing Ezra's hair on screen because the first season it looks like rubber and the second season it looks like shiny, less shiny rubber. And that's it. There's no in between. It doesn't look like hair. It, it really doesn't look like hair. It looks like they designed a toy and then designed Ezra after that. Or, you know, they designed the toys and then put the show around that instead of doing the opposite because, you know, this is the same team, Dave Filoni, like this, the same team that got us Clone Wars. I love the style of Clone Wars. I love that the first season, especially where it looks like fucking oil painting or what I, I can't even tell the backgrounds just look so real in this artistic sense. And then every character has these angular kind of soft textures, but they're angular shapes. They have a distinction about them. Everything's triangular or squared off. And it's, it's awesome. It looks great throughout the whole show. And then you have this where everything's not squared off. It's, it's rounded and everything's not dull and 
soft. It's it's very on the nose textures and oh, you thought that was a cloth blanket? Well, it's not looking like a cloth blanket at all. <laughs> it's looking like a rubber tarp. You know, it it's weird. And then I can talk about the story. The story just seems I, I don't know, not not focused enough. It seems as though it kind of does the monster of the week thing, which is fine, except the fact that the show's about the characters and the character development. So it's weird to give it a monster of the week structure as if it were, I don't know, supernatural or something. It, it doesn't jump anywhere. So you're constantly with the same team in the same timeline. I mean, at least first season and I'm six episodes into season two. So the first 22 episodes, you were in the same constant timeline with no deviation whatsoever. So it's, it's odd to do the monster of the week thing because monster of the week, I think is for variety. You know, it's meant to show every random aspect of something. It's, it's meant to show, Oh, this universe has these things in it, but star Wars has already done all of that work. It's done the universe building the world building. It doesn't really, the monsters of the week episodes don't really show you anything different. They just give you some character drama. They not constantly. I, I, I was about to say constantly. They do call back to Clone Wars, and that's the best part is when they do that, and that's never a good thing when the best part of your show is when you reference a better show. That's always, always a problem. It's like in Ready Player One, the best part was The Shining. You know, the math just doesn't make sense there. You shouldn't have to rely on another property to be the best part of your property. Does that make sense? And that's that's how I feel about this show. I feel as though I'm just looking for the heights of Clone Wars. And it, it, it ain't getting there. Not even close. Not even close. It's been 20 episodes, 22 episodes, and I just... Not even a wiggle, you know? It's fine. It's totally fine, and that's it. There isn't really much that I can say I love about it at all, really. Um... I, I do like the voice work. I do love the voice work. I'll give them that. I absolutely love and value the voice work. The voice actors do a fantastic job. Like I said earlier, I think Freddie Prince Jr. absolutely kills it as Kanan. And that's, that's all I love about the show. I don't really love the pacing. I don't really love the drama. I don't really love the plotting. I don't really love the characters. I don't love the animation. So... You can see my opinion on the show is rather middling. If it wasn't Star Wars, I wouldn't be watching it. You know what I'm saying? If I could compare this show to another show, visually at least. Oh, maybe not visually. Yeah, yeah, just visually. If I could compare it to just visually, it'd be Beware the Batman. Yeah, I said it. Beware the Batman also, everything's made of rubber. And I absolutely hate that animation and art style too. So... (laughs) Yeah, it's the exact same thing. I mean, just feel shot for shot the exact same way. I mean, you know, Beware the Batman had a neat style, except everything looked like rubber and everything was odd. Everything was so soft and rounded and it just, it didn't feel as though it were a distinctive art style, really. It just kind of feels flat. 
And yeah, the Star Wars Rebels. I think that's all I'm going to talk about it this week. I'll talk about I'll be back next week to talk about the next season or two that I watch or maybe even finish it. Who knows? But that is this episode of the Noah Davis Watchcast. I'll see you next week. I'm out of here. <laughs>